Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Welcome in. Happy, wonderful Wednesday, everyone. It's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Hope your hump day is going well uh, as we continue on to the 2020 college football season. Thanks, everybody, for listening, for getting involved with the mailbag. Uh, we'll have some mailbag questions later. Came came in hot on Twitter yesterday. Again, if you have a mailbag question, you want to do it on Twitter, you tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Uh, please follow that Twitter account at the Big Spur Pod if you're on Twitter. Uh, lots of content on there, lots of links, interaction, that kind of thing. It's different than the at the Big Spur 24-7 account. Uh, just another way to keep up with the Gamecocks. Also, you can email the inbox uh, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. That's inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. I read every single one of them, answer every single one of them on a daily basis. I think that's uh, a fun thing. Uh, for this podcast since it is daily uh, and you can only go through stats and you know break things down so much um, you know during the course of a game week and especially you know like over the summer we'll probably have some situations over the summer where we you know have a guest or something and you give in uh, you send in some questions for the guest and you know all that like a normal kind of broadcast experience but uh, certainly appreciate all you guys uh, tune it in uh, again. Also, go to Apple Podcast, rate us five stars, write a review. Want to get a thousand reviews and ratings by the end of the year? We're chugging towards that. Uh, if you don't get on an iPhone, but you know somebody that does have an iPhone, uh, and you can listen to this outside of iPhone, we're also on Spotify. Uh, if you need to do that, or you can also, you know, pick up the embed on the bigspur.com. Uh, through your other device, if that's how you listen to podcasts. The Stitcher app as well. That's a podcasting app. It's easy to download, easy to use. Uh, But you can go to Apple Pods, steal somebody's iPhone, go to the podcast um, icon on the iPhone and uh, just tap five stars and say, hey, good podcast, and write a review. Uh, Trying to get to a 1,000 of those. We have way more than a 1,000 daily listeners um, way more. So, um, hopefully we get all that's t- taken care of and, uh, you know, and reach our goal by the end of the season. I've been very pleased with what's happened so far. So I want to thank all you guys for that. Uh, Will Muschamp had his press conference yesterday. Um, not a whole lot, you know, I, I think, you know, when you're in the situation, the Gamecocks are in and that's a one and two start. Uh, and you kind of got up off the mat against Vandy, and uh, I've said it before, and you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sit here and continue to like downplay that win because that was a good, solid win. Carolina did exactly what Carolina was supposed to do in that game, which was dominate. But Vandy's bad, uh, and I think that you know the people that are just tired of losing were kind of were happy about it, and everybody should be happy about any win in the Southeastern Conference. But I think most people are like, well, you know. Let's see what happens from here on out. And, and I think the way this Auburn game has shaped up is that it's another opportunity. And I, and I was asked earlier this week, is this an inflection point? And at the beginning, I was like, nah, they, they probably need to beat Auburn. And then, you know, that LSU game or that if they beat Auburn and LSU, which, you know, in the preseason probably sounded unlikely, but 
now I, I mean it's a toss up as to whether or not that happens. Um, then that A and M game is a, is a big inflection point. But I, I'm starting to think that this one this weekend, just by the you know, it seems like people are just anxious to get to game day, get back out there against a better team than Vanderbilt, and see what the Gamecocks can do uh, against another good football team. So, you know, I, I can kind of feel some anticipation. Uh, which is good. Uh, you know, Williams Bryce will be, what, 20,000 strong on Saturday, but that's okay. You know, people still talk about, uh, and this is people from across the country during the Tennessee-Carolina game, how loud it was. Uh, and I was told that there was some noise piped in a little bit, like they do at most stadiums, but it wasn't really all that much. You know, the Gamecock fans that were there did a great job. That does not surprise me um, because there, there's been some situations – like uh, uh, the Missouri monsoon game a couple of years ago, how many would you guys say was left? 25, 30 uh, in the stands. And, and boy, they were loud. They were loud. So uh, you can, you could make a loud crowd with, uh, with that. And um, good news. You won't have the, the marching war Eagle band or whatever in there <laughs> playing their fight song and a bunch of Auburn folks. Uh, there will be all folks, just like there were Tennessee folks, and there's you know there's been opposing fans that have crept into these stadiums. But uh, big opportunity for South Carolina, build a big opportunity for Will Muschamp, Brandon Marcello, uh, who's uh, used to cover Auburn. He's now our national college football writer uh, for twenty four seven Sports. Put out a tweet today. He said it's year five of the Will Muschamp era. This is a very average, mediocre Auburn team. Uh, these are the types of games he should be expected to win at this point. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's fair. That, that, that's fair. I think, um, you know, you, you, you look at it and, you know, Auburn has not lit the world on fire. Um, and I, I think that if you went player to player, they probably have a little more talent than the Gamecocks. Maybe not. You know, I, I don't think they're vastly superior talent-wise this year to Tennessee. Uh, I like certain positions Auburn has better than certain positions at Tennessee, but then vice versa. Um, I think in terms of speed and athleticism, Florida is better than Auburn. Um, you know, and, and it's 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 one of those things where South Carolina normally gets Auburn on – Auburn pops on the schedule when they're cycling up. And, and I think back – and I went through this earlier this week. I think back to – you know, Carolina goes down there in 96, first time they played them as members of the SEC and has them beat. Uh, that was a Brad Scott blow-it game. Uh, Anthony Wright played a good game. It's 28-24. The next year, though, that was a team Terry Bowden took. I think Damian Craig was the quarterback uh, to the Dome. She He took them to the Dome that year in 97. They played Tennessee, lost by one point, but they beat Carolina 23-6 in Columbia. You know, there was the – the, the Kenny Irons game in Spurrier's first year, that was a good Auburn team in 05, 06. They were ranked, I think, second in the country when they came in for the Thursday night game. Uh, 2010, they, the Gamecocks played them twice. They won the national championship. Um, 2011, Carolina was the better team, and they got beat. And that that that's a game – you kind of look back on in the Spurrier era, and there's 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 a couple of handful of games that you wish the Gamecocks could have back, and and that's one of them uh, because Carolina wins the East again if they hold on to that one. But you know, and then in 2014, Carolina couldn't stop anybody. Auburn uh, was, I think, in the top ten and in, in the football playoff poll for a while, and 
Uh, I think they still had Nick Marshall. They they were coming off a you know national championship appearance, and Auburn won by seven. And then that's the last time South Carolina has played uh, the Auburn Tigers. And so they're coming in, and and you know th- this is this is not as good of a team as they've had in the past. This isn't. You know, last year LSU and Bama were so good, but in that division, Auburn was a Auburn came within three of beating LSU, and they did beat Alabama. That was a dang good Auburn football team. Now they sort of stubbed their toe, I think, in the Outback Bowl against Minnesota. Uh, and PJ Fleck, who's a a coach I'd pretty much have a lot of respect for and like, but uh, uh, and especially considering it's Minnesota and he's winning there, that's impressive. But, uh, you know, I, I, they were good. They were good, and they lost a lot. So we'll see kind of how, you know, things get dialed up. Uh, I think Marcelo also pointed out Auburn's not very good at pass defense, defense, you know, statistically. Um, and Auburn's had trouble running the ball until they played Arkansas. That concerns me. If you want to talk about concern, Auburn kind of turned Tank Bigsby loose in that game. Um yeah, they said, all right, well, Tank's our best back, so let's roll with him. And uh, 20 carries for 146 yards against the Razorbacks. That That's a little bit concerning, you know, just because there have been stretches where South Carolina has stopped the run, and then there's stretches where South Carolina does not. Now, the Gamecocks have a clear advantage, in my opinion, uh, when you're talking about the op- defensive line versus their offensive line. You know, I, I think that – a lot of how, how Auburn could manufacture rushing yards is going to be through their window dressing. Uh, and I said yesterday, eye discipline is very, very important uh, if the Gamecocks are going to stop the Auburn Tigers run game. Because then once they start running, they can start throwing it. And and that 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 gets concerning. Then Bo Nix gets in a rhythm, and then Bo Nix runs it. And so then you're like, well, how, how do you stop him? Um, but I think Carolina's overdue for a – game where they put it all together on defense. Uh, you know, I think the offense kind of is what it is. You know, South Carolina is going to try to keep – they're going to try to play defense with their offense. Uh, they're going to run the football with Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick. Mike Bobo is going to dr- dial up a bunch of plays. Colin Hill is going to run it. They're going to try to get the ball to Shai Smith, Nick Muse, and, and et cetera, whoever et cetera is on a given day. Um, and they're going to churn out first downs and stay on the field. And, and I think that's good. And it surprised me today. I was looking up some stats. You know, Carolina's only converting 39% of their third downs on offense. I thought that would be higher, but it's not. Uh, now, third down defense, the Gamecocks are one of the best in the country. Um, and people can say, well, they don't get the third down. And they don't. You know, Florida didn't do that very often. Tennessee had a knack for hitting big plays. Um on the Gamecocks, and and that's another key: stay out of the big play. I'll have all the, all the, uh, you know, the uh, keys and all that later because it's only Wednesday. So uh, you know, what did Muschamp say yesterday? He just talked about how excited he was. You know, he kind of talked about some personnel. You know, you're you're looking at McQuamu, uh, Kier Thomas. You know, those are some key guys on defense. They really need to have. Um, People can say what they want about Kier Thomas starting, uh, and, and I think that's a fair deal, but, you know, he needs to play. I mean, he's an important part. You know, McQuamu needs to play. Jalen Dickerson will play. Uh, Jalen Dickerson had a situation where it had nothing to do 
with health or anything like that. He had a family situation he had to take care of. Uh, and so he'll be back, which is good because they're going to need Jalen Dickerson on Saturday. But a big opportunity for South Carolina. And, and uh, you know, it sounds weird to say, you know, I, I think this game, Carolina matches up with Auburn a lot like they matched up with Tennessee. It's probably going to be a fourth quarter game. You know, probably going to be a situation where it comes right down to the wire. Uh, and then, you know, they're going to have to go make plays to win it, either on offense or defense. Uh, you know, I thought Kai Kroger punted it better in Vandy than he had been. Uh, and that's going to be important because you're going to play some field position, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, new kickoff uh, Saturday, Auburn coming to town. Tigers have never lost to the Gamecocks since the two schools have been members of the SEC. So this is a, this is a big opportunity. Uh, for Will Muschamp to do something that has not been done before. Uh, Coach Spurrier used to talk about that. Uh, Lou Holtz talked about that too, you know, do something that hadn't been done before. And um, Lou said it in a different way. <laughs> Those two talked a lot differently than each other. I'm going to do something that hasn't been done before. We're going to set a standard. Um, I can't do a good Lou Holtz impression. Uh, there are folks out there that are outstanding at it but I can't do a good one. I just kind of morph into that voice every now and then, but I, you know, so this is an opportunity. You you, you want to kind of get back on the good side of fans and, and get momentum and, and, you know, um, in some of the negativity, do some things you hadn't done before or that the program hadn't done before. Uh, and that helps. I, I don't think it would have been, you know, as important is beating Tennessee and Florida because those are division games and those are more important. Uh, you don't want to lose ground in the division. But, you know, beating Auburn, beating A&M, winning at LSU, which hadn't happened since 1994, you know, yeah, that, that would be big. Uh, even in a pandemic year where these teams are not all that good. And people say that, well, they beat them when they weren't that good. Well, you know, Sometimes that happens. But then sometimes when you're really good, you beat a team that is really good. You know, people talk all the time. Uh, they have this false narrative about, well, when the Gamecocks were winning 11 games, the SEC East completely sucked. Well, that's not necessarily true. In 2011, uh, Georgia was a really good football team. They ended up going to the Dome. Now, they weren't as good as LSU which beat them 42 to 10 or Alabama, which won the national championship, but they were good. Um, and Carolina beat them in a shootout down in Athens, 2012, you know, the, the sec East was, was really good. Florida was 11 and one under Will Muschamp. Georgia was a play away from playing for the national title. And the Gamecocks probably had their best team top to bottom under Spurrier. You know, that, 2012 was an outstanding season, and Carolina played a good Georgia team and whipped them soundly. So sometimes, sometimes you know, the perception is anybody South Carolina beats is, oh, they're not that good. But they are. Georgia's, Georgia last year was good. Georgia last year wasn't championship level. You know, obviously, you saw what happened against LSU. But Georgia last year was a good football team. They went to the Sugar Bowl. They won. They they have really good players, you know. So, so, so sometimes you do beat, even though you beat a team that's, you know, uh, not as good as they are when they beat you, obviously, they're still good. Now, I'll say this. I say all that to say this, and I say that a lot. Um, Auburn's down. <laughs> LSU, 
really, really down, especially on the defensive side of the football. I mean, I, I'm stunned at how bad they are defensively. Uh, Texas A&M, uh, big win against Florida, obviously. They're, they're not th- – this is probably not their breakthrough season, to be honest. Uh, now, it could be. There's people – Writing an article about here's here's the Aggies ticket to the playoff or whatever. I just don't know. I don't know about that. I think they're really good, but I, I just don't. I don't know. Got to when you get to that game, you got to stop Isaiah Spiller. Uh, I think that's the key, and then make Bond beat you with his arm. And sometimes he can, and sometimes he can't. But that's two games from now. You, you, you got Auburn, and then you got a trip to Baton Rouge coming up, which is. Uh, Interesting. By the way, they announced kickoff time for that game at LSU. It'll be four o'clock Eastern. Uh, so not you don't you don't have a night game. I, I don't know if the night game's down there with the pandemic crowd, or is you know maybe it's a maybe it still is a little louder, and you don't want to play them at night. But you know any anything. I mean, I'll take them in the afternoon. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. So that's. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one here in a couple of weeks, but Auburn's coming in. Like I said, they've got some players, you know, talent for talent, you know, probably give the edge to Auburn top to bottom on the roster, but there's certain positions I wouldn't, you know, that, that like I said, they're secondary. Look, look here's the bottom line. Uh, you can give Kendall Bryles the credit for this all you want. And I do think Kendall Bryles is a good offensive coordinator, has done a good job. But Felipe Franks threw for 318 yards and four touchdowns, no picks against Auburn last week. I mean, you know, that that's a very un-Felipe Franks-type performance. Um, you know, Kentucky's offensive coaches, for some reason, saw something in Auburn's secondary to where they had Terry Wilson throw it 37 times. Now, was that a mistake? Probably because <laughs> they lost, probably a mistake. Um, you know, Stetson Bennett had a really good game for Georgia uh, against Auburn's defense. So, you know, there's something in that secondary is kind of like, eh, you know, I don't know. Um, so Colin Hill and the receivers, you know, maybe they dial some things up. So we'll see. But anyway, should be a good one uh, this weekend. Like I said, big opportunity for South Carolina uh, if they win, I, I'm not going to call that, you know, that they've arrived. Uh, that that's this big point where, you know, they kick the door in. I always talk about that as an analogy. When you get to that point in college football where you can join the party, you got to kick the door in. Well, the Gamecocks got a long way to go before they're even at the door. Um, I think they were at that point in 2013 when they, of course, lost to Tennessee. Um you know, you win that one, you kick the door in, you win the East, you get to play Auburn in the Dome. That wasn't Alabama. They matched up pretty well. You win that one. Things happen. You get to play in the Rose Bowl against Florida State. Imagine that, that those storylines, Steve Spurrier leading the Gamecocks to the Rose Bowl uh, against F, the hated FSU Seminoles for the all the marbles. Uh, they'd have been fired up for that one. Um and, uh, you know, talking to some Georgia fans uh, for tw- about 2017, they they had a dream season road trip-wise, okay? So 2017, the dogs get to go to Notre Dame for a regular season game. Then for the semis, they go to the Rose Bowl. I mean, those are two iconic cathedrals of college football. 
And then lucky for their pocketbooks, the national championship game was in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz against Bama. Uh, so just a dream season that year, even though they lost to Georgia, I mean, to Bama on that last, you know, that touchdown pass. So, you know, looking at it, uh, you know, it would have been great to be in the Rose Bowl for South Carolina. But, you know, Carolina didn't kick in the door under Spurrier. They were knocking at it. Uh, one of the better teams in college football for about five years. So, you know, when you get back there, you got to kick it in. This is not a kick in the door moment. This is kind of a let, let's climb another rung on the ladder kind of moment. You know, it, I, I think, you know, you win this one, you, you get hot, you know, you, you go to Oxford at least three and three. If you go to Oxford three and three, uh, the schedule kind of lightens up because, I mean, you know, Ole Miss, I don't know what to make about Ole Miss. I, I know their offense is scaring everybody, and it should because they're putting up a lot of points. But the way they're giving up, I mean, I, they're not even playing defense, you know. So I, I don't know what's going to happen <laughs> in that one. But go to, if you get to go to Oxford three and three, you know, Carolina could go in there and win. You got Missouri. Obviously, what they did to LSU is interesting. You should win that one. It's it's at home, five and three. Got Georgia, Thanksgiving, take your best shot. And then you go to Kentucky to try to get a six and four. And then if you win that one, you get to a bowl, you, you're seven and four um, with six SEC wins, which is, you know, a would tie a record. Uh, and that's the ladder I think the Gamecocks need to try to climb. I, I think, you know, you start getting into this, well, they could go four and six or, th- or, or three and seven. Um, those types of records are going to raise a lot of questions, you know. Uh, and, and that's where we're at, folks. I mean, it's not, you know, and I think we were there last year. I mean, I, I, I when you're talking about building a program, you know, sometimes it's not linear, but when you inherit a program with gigantic roster holes where I had an out, you know, a coach tell me, you know, before the new staff got here, you know, there's only about 20 SEC level players on the roster, you know, and then you, you win six, you win nine, you have a, a, a an injury riddled year where you win seven, you come back. Even though you lost your senior quarterback, you got to be prepared for that in year four. And you win four with a, a lot of players that ended up playing in the NFL and getting drafted. That's a problem. You know, that, that that's a problem. That's not a build. There's no – re, you know, the, the, the rebuilding excuse, oh, it's going to take X years. You know, the bottom fell out of that storyline. Um, and so it's time to win. I mean, that, that's that's the only – I don't care what recruit they get – um, no offense to Gunnar Stockton because I think he is a difference maker. Uh, I don't care any of that stuff that happens, who gets drafted, you know, whatever. Car- Carolina's got to start winning football games. And it starts this weekend against Auburn. I mean, that that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. So, big opportunity. Big opportunity uh, for the uh, for the Gamecocks. All right. Talking about the mailbag, we uh, have two ways to get to the mailbag. You can go tweet to at the Big Spur Pod, okay, uh, and then you also can email me inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. 
All right, so here we go. And this first one comes in off Twitter from Randy. So, JC, what are your thoughts on Bobo versus Hill still historically and in this game? Also, it's always a good strategy to keep the other offense off the field, but can we do that while still putting up points of our own? Well, to answer your second question, yeah, that's the idea. Uh, and I think they've done a good job of that. You know, you, you go, uh, my goodness, Florida's got 29 players sideline because of COVID. Mm. You know, and I'm going to say this too, personal responsibility plays a part in this too, but it's also, again, I've said this from the start, these guys out in the student body, I mean, stuff, something like this was going to happen. You know, you need a bubble. You need to protect your players. I feel bad for Florida, and I hate that it's the LSU game because those two schools are going to squabble about rescheduling, et cetera, et cetera. They always do. They they don't want to play each other. <laughs> All right, anyway, back to Randy's question. Um, yeah, I, I think Carolina can put up points. I mean, they, they put up points. Carolina, you know, I think 27, 24, and 41 is respectable for a team that's limited like the Gamecocks are. Uh, you know, and, and and I think that the 27 against Tennessee would have been better. I mean, second half was, you know, if they'd have played the first half like they did the second half, they, they could have put up a lot more against the Vols. Uh, thoughts about Bobo versus still historically, and I did some research. The only time they, they faced off, and I don't, you know, it's tough because – you know, you kind of look back on it, and it, it 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 seems like it'd be more Mark Rick versus Nick Saban in this one because this was back in Bobo's first year as the OC play caller, and so you know Rick was still sort of involved. And then they played Alabama over in Tuscaloosa, and they won twenty six twenty three in overtime. That was Saban's first year at Bama and his first team, and. Kevin Steele was his quote unquote DC, but Saban was dialing it up. So, so you you know that was really the the only meeting. You know, you, you'd probably be surprised by that. But uh, Kevin Steele's been at Auburn since 2016. Mike Bobo took the Colorado State job in 2015, so he's been gone. And then when Steele was at Clemson, they missed each other. Like they didn't have. Um, you know, any kind of situation where they played, uh, you know, Steele was out uh, in 2012 uh, when and they got back on Bama staff in 2013. You know, 2015, he was at LSU as the defensive coordinator. They, Georgia did not play LSU that year. Um, and even if actually, even if they had of, Bobo was already at Colorado State. So they really hadn't faced each other all that much. So – Go back in time, you know, uh, Kevin Steele was on Bobby Bowden's staff at Florida State uh, as the linebackers coach from 03 to 06. But the Dogs, you know, they played uh, Florida State in the Sugar Bowl in 02. So they just kind of missed each other. And that was when Bobo was the quarterback's coach anyway. So there hasn't been a whole lot of, of matching up between Kevin Steele and Mike Bobo, believe it or not. So the historical – there's not, I mean, it's time to make history this weekend, right? Uh, spit, yeah, at Spit, yeah, I like that. Your boy Spit, solid. He says, I know it was just Vandy, but do you think the performance last week can give the guys more confidence? Do you think confidence can provide different results in close games? Thanks, JC. Keep up the great work. I do. 
Um, I said that after the Tennessee game, the difference between Tennessee and South Carolina was you could tell by the body language for Tennessee, they were, they didn't expect to lose that game at all. And look, I'll be honest that, that seeing that out of a team from Tennessee is different than it used to be because Tennessee used to, you used to kind of tell that they knew they're going to get beat or whatever. Confidence goes a long way. Uh, and South Carolina went and did what they had to do. Now I'll also point out LSU went to Vandy and beat Vandy by the same score. Uh, and then all of a sudden the next week at Missouri, you know, the, the issues were back. You know, so so I I think while Vandy that game can provide confidence, you know, you have to kind of understand some of the, you know, to carry and Joiner going for forty seven on a reverse and Harris going for eighty eight and a touchdown. You know, th- those are those are plays that may not happen because you're playing a better team. Uh, that, that's just what I'm trying to point out here. But yeah, in close games, confidence matters because you got to believe you're going to go win. Uh, and I think Colin Hill, as a quarterback, has a lot of confidence, uh, and that helps too. You want a guy that's you know going to not be rattled uh, and and be intimidated by the moment. And you know, uh, he didn't get the chance to have the moment uh, against uh, Tennessee, and then against Florida. You know, I know that the running the clock was kind of an issue, but boom, 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 right down the field, never panic. So. You know, we'll see what happens there. But uh, appreciate that. Again, it's at the Big Spur Pod if you would like to get in uh, with a question from Twitter. Follow that account as well. Certainly appreciate that. Uh, And now we're going to get to the inbox, which is blowing up on a daily basis. Um, All right. So first one comes in from Phil. He goes, hey, J.C., I'm really enjoying your podcast and have took you up on the offer to listen to JC and Morgan. Thank you for that. It's a great show. And I recommend that to whoever's listening to check them out. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Uh, check out the latest JC and Morgan today. We, it dropped about eight o'clock. Tom Lugan, Bill joined us. I've known Tom for years. Used to work with him at ESPN. So as Mike loved it, you know, loved working with Tom. He's a great, great guy, you know, just a super guy that knows his stuff. So be sure to check that out. Then Mike and I get into the games this weekend. We actually talk about Carolina-Auburn a little bit. Phil says, great win with Vandy last week. I know we started out flat, and I'd be lying if I wasn't looking at that halftime score and thinking the worst, but we came back with some tenacity. I scored Vandy 31-7. My question is, do you have any insight into what was said to the kids at halftime to light a fire under their butt, or was it just some adjustments that they made the players capitalized on? Also, You've been pretty accurate on your score prediction so far this season. I'm interested to see what your prediction will be for Saturday. Keep up the great work. Thanks for all you do. Phil says USC 28, Auburn 23. I actually have. Um, now, I was wrong. I, I said Carolina 21, Tennessee 17 the first week. So, I was wrong about the amount of points. I'd have taken the under on that. But the margin, if you flip it, it was Tennessee by four. I had Carolina by four. I had 38-20 Florida. They won 38-24. I had uh, 35-7 Gamecocks against Vandy, 41-7 they won. I I did think it would be a little cleaner game against Vandy, and I I didn't expect it to be as close at halftime as what it was. But, you know, those Vandy kids were fighting. You know, it's kind of a weird deal up there. You know, I I was listening to some some of the highlights on YouTube where they dubbed Todd Ellis' call over the top of it. And you just don't really think about, I mean, just the dead silence behind it almost was like a 
it was weird. It was weird. So it had to be weird for the kids a little bit. But, you know, Carolina came out in the second half and really, you know, blew them out, which is what they should have done. Um, and, you know, that happened. So, you know, 10 nothing and a half, whatever. And I think when you talk about Vanderbilt this year, there's going to be games where they're able to, I guess, hang for a half. I mean, wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. So, you know, there we go. Appreciate that. And I'll release my score prediction on the final word later. Um, all right. So there, we got two uh, emails from Australia today. Good eye, Mike. We just took another strip on the bobby. And me, Subaru Elpec. Uh, those of you that know where I get my little saying, I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. That's from uh, Australian comedian Jim Jeffries. Uh, so much love to Down Under. This one says, hey, JC, I'm Charlie, who's an avid listener from Australia. I really enjoy your podcast and find your optimism funny and enjoyable, especially when Carolina is terrible. Thank you. <laughs> I hope uh, I hope it's funny. You know, I hope you can laugh. You know, sometimes you got to laugh instead of the alternative. My question is, what's the loudest, best game you've ever experienced at williams Bryce? Thank you very much and enjoy your day, Charlie. Um, I, this is a weird one because I've been to some loud games and I've been to a lot of them. Um, you know, the last really loud one I went to was probably 2013 Clemson game. Um, and it was loud. I think, you know, it was loud from a South Carolina standpoint. By that point, that was the fifth straight loss for the Tigers. Their, their fans, I mean, I don't think I heard Tiger rag, but like once that day. And I was sitting in the zone right near their band. But um, the loudest game I remember, and, and this is, this is going to sound weird, it was a noon kickoff, and it was Florida, South Carolina, and Spurrier's first year. Um, I probably have been to games that that – you know, you guys have been to that you think are louder than that one. But to me, that was just like, I mean, I, it was deafening. Uh, and it was a new kickoff. Uh, for some reason, fans were just into the game that day. But that that's always been my, it was a 2005. That's always been the loudest I've heard. Now, I'll say this, the loudest pregame for any Carolina, uh, you know, football game I've been to was at the Georgia Dome when they played Auburn for the SEC championship. Even though Carolina had 30% of the fans, that pregame was just unbelievably loud uh, in the Dome. So, all right, man, thanks. Keep keep hitting me up from Australia. Uh, and then we got another one from Australia here in a second. Uh, Derek says, hey, JC, do you see the SEC moving to a 10-game schedule in the future? Would you favor such a move, and how would that impact our program? Well, I don't think that's something you want if you're South Carolina or anyone else. Uh, I think it's great in terms of like football coaches, players, programs. I think it's great for the fans and, and for like people that just love college football because you got a full slate of awesomeness every weekend. But we're in a pandemic. Uh, you know, they're talking about not even playing at all. Now they have to just make it conference only. Um, I, I just don't see it happening unless. You know, I mean, think think about this. Not not even if you're South if you're South Carolina, 
10, 10 SEC games plus Clemson every year. That's tough. Even when Clemson was just kind of a, you know, hoping to win the division in the ACC program, you know, that's not a cupcake. You need some cupcakes. Um, I think they'd have to restructure how bowls are determined um, and and things like that because, you know, you're going to have coaches get fired. Uh, You know, you you look at Auburn's record in the SEC heading into the season, the last 64 games, which would be eight years, 33 and 31, whereas the Gamecocks were 31 and 33. I mean, you don't think about the history there of Auburn being only two games better than the Gamecocks over an eight-year period. But that's how, you know, tough it is. So you're going to have coaches where you're paying Jimbo Fisher $75 a year, uh, you know, that nine and four – you know, or 10 and three looks a lot better than six and four, six and five. So, you know, would I favor such a movie? It depends on how it's structured. I, I, I don't think you could just sit there and run these programs through the meat grinder in any league, really, every year and then say, oh, well, you know, we're going to still have high standards for bowl games and postseason and all that because that, that's just, it's not fair to the kids, the players. You know, and, and I know that some fans don't like bowls and all that, but I, I like them. I think they're part of college football. They're fun. What the hell else are you going to watch? You can only watch Christmas Vacation so many times during the holidays, you know. Uh, college basketball hadn't really kicked in yet. Now college basketball is taking breaks, you know, during during uh, Christmas. So, you, you know, you, you need the bowls. We need the bowls, folks. There's only one weekend of NFL football or a couple, one day a week. So uh, they'd have to kind of redo that. I, I'd be open to it, but, I, you know, as for South Carolina, you know, uh, as long as the division stayed the same, I don't, I don't think it would be a problem. Um, I think that, you know, again, the SEC North was what I call it, you know, Tennessee, even though Tennessee's now won two in a row, and I can't believe that against the Gamecocks. Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky, Vandy. You know, those are four teams South Carolina should have success against. You know, they're not set up. Tennessee has more history than the Gamecocks. None of those schools are set up any more better, any better than South Carolina, including, you know, in terms of recruiting base, facilities, fan support, all the things you look for. In fact, South Carolina's superior to three of them. And, and I'm not talking about wins and losses. I'm talking about how they're set up, you know, and then, you know, you got Florida and Georgia, and you just take a shot at those guys. I mean, obviously the Gamecocks are competitive against those. Um, and then you'd play four teams from the West. And, and I think it'd be fun in a way because when, when the pandemic ends and we can all start going to pack stadiums again, you know, you'd have more opportunity to go to Baton Rouge and Oxford and Starkville and Fayetteville or wherever. Um you know, so we just have to see. I, you know, I, I'd probably like them to do away with. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. So anyway, I was going to say do away with the permanent opponent, but I, I don't know about that. So yeah, I, do I see them moving to that? If you, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think the coaches would like it. I think nine could happen at some point, but I, I just I don't see. I think it's going to go back to eight. Uh, and plus, you know, all these teams have been scheduling all these non big time non conference games well into the future, you know. And and so, what would you do with those? 
Uh, and and I, would Georgia play, you know, 10 games plus Clemson plus Georgia Tech? Ooh, shoe buddy. <laughs> That'd be tough. But really good idea. And I'm enjoying it this year. I'm enjoying the all-SEC schedule. All right. Captain Bill says, Captain Bill here. I'm a submarine commanding officer in the Navy, originally from Charleston. I was pointed towards your podcast, originally locked on the Gamecocks at J.C. and Morgan by my good mate, Tiny Tanks Bo, a USC graduate. Personally, I attended the Naval Academy, uh, Anchors Away, but I'm a big Gamecock fan. My friend, um, at the, I have a little – everybody's got a favorite bar, and I got a favorite bar. It's called Tavern. Uh, when I'm up in Chicago and uh, uh, the owner, Greg, went not only went to the Naval Academy, but was on the team that beat the Gamecocks in 1984. <laughs> so I get crap about that. But I, you know, Army Navy game because of him, he, he got me a sweatshirt last year. So I, I pulled for, for Navy. So thank you so much for your service. Um, and here's Captain Bill's question. I've listened to your podcast while on exchange with the Royal Australian Navy in Fremantle, Western Australia, and now while back stateside. Okay, so this this email actually technically did not come from Australia, but there's an Australia connection. So there we go. You're my link to the Gamecocks, wherever in the world I am. It's a great podcast, and I thoroughly enjoy your insights. Keep up the great work. Captain Bill, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. I, I think that's what makes this stuff fulfilling, you know, is when people can – stay connected to the teams they love. And in your case, the Gamecocks, um, you know, wherever they are in the world. And, and that's great. He said, I think even the most optimistic of us are disappointed by the state of the football program as fans, what can we do to help the football program? I'd say, say stay positive. Um, and that, that's kind of one of those things where it's like, Oh, come on. You know, and it, 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 it's not, it's not so much staying positive. It's, you know, fans need to understand that in the world we live in these days, that all the players are on social media. If they're not tweeting or posting, they're reading and and you can't keep them from reading. And there's just some very personal things that fans put out there about players uh, that are attacks. I mean, they they have nothing to do with playing. I mean, you know, people want to know, you know, why Jake Bentley just didn't even consider coming back after his injury. Well, he needed a fresh start. And I would, I would point you to, if it was not private now, Jake Bentley's Instagram after the Kentucky game in 2018, where, you know, some of the you know fraternity guys maybe had a little too much to drink and just posted some horrible things about him. I mean, if that were, I mean, I'm surprised his dad didn't go track these guys down. You know, I mean, that's probably inappropriate for an assistant coach to do, but I mean, it was that bad. It was that bad. And and Jake's not the only one that's taken abuse like that uh, from people on social media. Now, you know, fans get upset with players and criticize players on message boards. And I know I own a message board uh, with the bigspur.com and we try to moderate that, but it never gets personal. And if it does, we zap it immediately. Social media, it's a free-for-all. And then Facebook is even worse because some of our older fans who post with their real names, you know, uh, just just have terribly wrong information first and foremost and and then just bash players and stuff. And that's how, you know, I, 
I think as a fan, you know, the only thing you can really do to help is try to avoid those types of things. And Captain Bill, you don't seem like the type of guy that's doing it. Um, but I, I think that's the thing fans can do to help. And then, you know, there's all the stuff that normal fans do, give money and go to games and, you know, all that good stuff. But that's what I mean by staying positive. It's hard to stay positive with all the losing. Uh, and nobody wants anybody to be Pollyanna. But avoiding the over-the-top, you know, ridiculousness, the toxic uh, communications with the masses in the world on social media, I think would be the the best thing people can do. And I'm probably, you know, Captain Bill, I know you probably will adhere to that, and I think you probably already were. But I'm probably talking into a wind tunnel when I say that because it's just not going to happen. Some people, uh, I think, as a society, some folks just haven't, kind of grasp how to use this very powerful thing called social media that we have. Um, so it's almost like toddlers running around using it. Uh, and, and that happens. And hopefully over time, society will evolve and we will have somewhat uh, of a, a good decorum uh, on the, uh, on the social media end of things. But, you know, Captain Bill, thank you again for your service. I'm honored that you listen to the podcast, sir. And uh, certainly uh, uh, we're going to keep rolling and keep doing it. So that's good. Uh, all right. So that'll do it. That's all the mailbag questions we have for today on a Wednesday. Be sure to check me out uh, here. For, uh, by the time this gets up, it'll probably be about 30, 20, 30 minutes. JB and Goldwater. Uh, if you don't do the live stream, you can do JB and Goldwater on um, – on the uh, you know Apple Podcast, wherever you get podcasts, they podcast up everything. It's a great show. I always love doing it. I do it every Wednesday. Also, don't forget the JC and Morgan podcast. If you are a Sirius XM subscriber at 4.30 Eastern this afternoon, I will be on with Chris Childers and Aaron Murray on Sirius XM. So we'll talk a little college football. So if you need – uh, to have more of me or listen to more of me, turn on Sirius XM about 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Chris Childers, Aaron Murray. I think it's the College Football Nation channel. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been the Inside the Game Guys podcast. I'm J.C. Sherbert. Holla at you soon.